Hello and welcome to the Rare Earth Podcast. This is a gateway to your new reality, where you'll find that everything you need exists within you. So last week on Instagram, I wrote a little bit about my experience with this idea of stress addiction and the effect that it's had on my life and a bit about how I've started to shift and move through this pattern in my own body and mind. And just in sharing my experience, I heard from so many of you about how seen you felt, how you had been going through the same type of things and seeing the same patterns show up in your life. And truly, it just really made me feel like there are so many of us. We're not alone in this pattern. So today I wanted to go a little bit more in depth about how stress and stress addiction manifested in my life and then how I've started to shift this pattern in my body and mind over the last year. I'm gonna try and roughly organize this podcast into three sections. So first we'll talk about my experience, with stress addiction, with stress in general, and how it's manifested. And then the second part, we'll talk a little bit about how I've started to shift them and move through them and how you can too. And in the third part, we'll go into kind of the big picture. So that bird's eye view and bringing you back to who you are beyond the patterns in your body and mind which is the absolute most important part. So please listen through to the end because it's one of the biggest realizations that I have had this year. And I think something that will help you work through this pattern and any other behavior pattern or habit that you want to transform. So with that, let's just dive in. Let's talk about what stress addiction is, why I call it addiction in the first place, and you know, how it manifested for me. So the way I define stress addiction specifically is that it's an impulse to create stressful situations even when everything is okay. So even when you are in a situation where you are safe and calm and can trust that you'll be fine, you know, you look around and life is absolutely beautiful. Your mind and body want to create a pattern of stress. And that is related most definitely to nervous system dysregulation and chronic stress in general. But I think the idea of stress addiction for me, it's a subtle difference, is less about the kind of physical symptoms and more about the desire to create stress because it is comfortable. So let's unpack that just a little bit. You know that whatever you do consistently, your body will want to recreate. Your body and mind are prediction machines, right? They want to help you. They want to create efficient algorithms that they can execute on demand without you having to think about it. So if you grew up in a situation where you were constantly stressing or having to be, you know, hypervigilant or looking out, whether that's a very specific kind of trauma or just parents who were arguing all the time or 
being bullied in school, anything. It can really be anything. It can, we all go through some kind of trauma as children. I heard trauma defined once as too much, too fast, too soon. And I think by that definition, really, anything can have a traumatic effect on you. So if you experience stress at an early age, your body and mind start to crave it in a sense. They look for areas of stress because that is what you are consistently experiencing and it must mean that it's something that you want to repeat consciously or subconsciously. So for me, here's kind of how my stress addiction began and how it manifested in my life. My parents were divorced uh, when I was about seven years old and the first seven years of our lives are very, very formative. And I think at that time, subconsciously, I probably felt abandoned. I know now that was not the case, but that had a deep effect on me and my own self-worth and what I believed about myself really in my life. And I ended up living with my mom. I grew up with my mom and she was wonderful. I love her so much, but she was stressed out and rightfully so. You know, she was a single mom and raising me on her own. And she had a very high stress job and she was very independent and very driven. And I think subconsciously I kind of absorbed her stress. You know, it was almost two, two parts. It was like I wanted to both take her stress away and also be like her. And so I was a stressed out kid from an early age. You know, I always was trying to do better and push myself and prove to everyone around me that I was independent. I was good. I was good enough. And so as I got older, that turned into this very deeply ingrained pattern of seeking, always looking to the future for a better experience. You know, and I talked about this in the post. I think I really feel like most of my life I have been absent from. I look back and there are maybe a few key moments where I really remember a lot of details at peak emotional moments, but for the most part, because I have always been looking forward and always seeking something better, I had a hard time being present and really just experiencing what life is like in my body, experiencing the sensations of being human. I'm always trying to be more than human, better, greater. And I think you know, this also is intertwined with that child in me that felt abandoned or left. The emotions felt so big at that time that I wanted to avoid them. And so I also started this pattern of avoiding my own emotions. You know, when things got really hard, I would push myself into another cycle of achievement, perfection, all of these things that are so closely related, I feel like, you know, I would look to a new job or I would look to the next goal or the next milestone in my life and say, like, as soon as I get there, that's when I'm going to feel great. And again, 
kind of ignoring my present experience, whatever it was. And I think that's related also to the fact that when I would achieve these milestones in my life, if I set a goal for myself and I would get there, it would feel empty. I also had a hard time taking credit for any of the work that I did to get there. I always felt like, you know, I didn't work hard enough. And if something felt easy, it was not worth it. You know, and I think that little girl in me always wanted the praise for reaching a certain milestone goal or achieving something that I thought was really important. But I had a hard time admitting that I actually wanted it. So the pattern that was created from that was this deep feeling of discomfort with any kind of praise. Like it's hard for me to take a compliment or acknowledge that I'm doing great or, you know, anything along those lines. I feel like I always shift the attention away from me. And, you know, and I think that a lot of that is related to, again, that feeling of not being good enough, not being worthy, kind of that deep core feeling of I have to do something to be accepted. I couldn't just accept who I was and be okay with where I'm at right now. I'm always, you know, looking towards the future to create a better version of me. And that's different than, I think, wanting to improve yourself or wanting to you know, learn and grow, those are all healthy patterns. I think the key difference here is that you're rejecting your current self and looking to a better version instead of saying, wow, look where I am right now. This is amazing. And oh my gosh, I want to grow more. How can I grow more? I'm so excited and enthusiastic and joyful about learning this new thing, not approaching it from a place of the person I am today is bad and I want to create a good version of me. That's kind of where I was. That's the pattern that I kept repeating over and over again. Current me is not good enough. So another way this manifested for me was, you know, keeping people kind of at arm's length. I had a friend recently say to me, you're such a private person and I was totally shocked. I, <laughs> I feel like I'm generally an open book with friends and family, but I realized that, you know, for a long time, I have wanted to project a certain idea about who I am. Again, it really all stems from that deep feeling of the person I am now is not good enough. And so I present kind of a different exterior depending on the person. And there are a few people who I think if I look now, I've definitely let in and I've let all of you in. I think actually talking to you all in this format really is so healing and comforting. And especially to hear that so many of you are having the same experience, you know, really just is so validating. But yeah, so I had created this perfect wall around me where I could show only parts of myself and hope that people would like those specific parts. Or more accurately, I assumed that people wouldn't respond well to the real me because 
you know, in my body and mind, I had this pattern that I wasn't good enough. And I really, in the last few years, I wouldn't say that that was there consciously. I wasn't looking in the mirror every day and saying, oh, you're terrible. What do you, you know, you're awful. I hate you. But it was more of a subconscious kind of always there feeling that I wouldn't be accepted by my friends, my family, new people. You know, it was hard for me to really be who I was. And so years of this, I mean, masking really, in a sense, made my physical body sick. You know, this constant seeking, striving, pushing, stressing, never letting my guard down actually made my body sick. I had years and years of cortisol, the stress hormone, just built up in my body and that put me in a state where my energy levels were totally unpredictable. I had brain fog all the time. I just chipped away at any executive function that existed in my mind and just couldn't focus, you know, felt like I was always procrastinating and not getting things done. And really for me, it was just this constant cycle, this pattern of creating something to stress about when there's nothing to stress about. And that's why I, you know, I think it's useful for me. It's been useful to use the term addiction, you know, and I I know that has baggage with it, but I think it is a good frame to really understand what's happening in your mind and body when you have this pattern. And, you know, when I really think about kind of where stress comes from, I think a lot of it is resistance to the present moment. It is this deep need to want to control whatever's happening right now. It is anti-acceptance of now. And I'm not saying you should just be okay with every bad thing that is happening in your life at any time and say, I'm never going to make a change. But I think there's a difference in, again, wanting to transform and grow versus wanting to reject your experience right now. If you feel like you're constantly saying things like, I don't like what's happening, I need to change it, I need to avoid it, I need to run, I don't want to feel this emotion, I'm going to do something to distract myself. You know, whenever you find yourself running away or avoiding, that's exactly when you should turn and face that feeling. That's exactly when you should start to get really curious about where it's coming from, how it feels in your body, what thoughts are running through your mind. And I think sometimes we create stress in a situation because we're so familiar with it and it feels like something we can control. Your emotions feel out of control, but creating stress in your environment is something you're used to and you know what to do. It's like you feel confident in stress management, so you create the stress to manage. So where do these patterns come from? How do we condition ourselves to create this behavior? And I think it's a few places. So our ancestry or DNA, 
you know, patterns of behavior can be passed on through your family or a collective that you're part of. If you think about this through the lens of universal consciousness and how we all share our being, this really starts to make sense. So we are all one universal consciousness together, so it would make sense that we share some of these behavior patterns. And the more closely connected you are with, you know, certain bodies and minds, so like your family, your friends, your neighborhood, your region, those patterns are going to be more easily absorbed through your thoughts, your emotions, your feelings, you know, and then our experiences, of course, so anything that you do consistently, you'll condition in your mind and body, good or bad, right? Like I said, your body and mind are prediction machines. They want to recreate patterns for you to help make things efficient. So they're going to create a good pattern or a bad pattern over and over again if you continue to reinforce it. And this goes tenfold for anything that you experience in a state of high emotion. You know, so as a child, if you experience trauma, that subconscious pattern is deeply ingrained in your mind and body because you combined it with high emotion. You know, that is like a recipe for recreating a pattern over and over again. And I want you to think about that in the positive too. So again, it's not your mind and body wanting to create negative patterns. It's your body and mind wanting to recreate patterns, no matter if they're good or bad. So you can use that to your benefit, right? You can create an emotional, a really positive, high emotional state in your body and start to create a new habit. And you'll remember and feel that habit deeply and want to do it more and more. So I'll definitely cover that in a future episode because there, that is a whole episode on its own for sure. Emotional states and kind of training your body and mind. So let's shift into kind of part two. We've talked about the patterns. We talked about how they can manifest and where they come from. So I want to talk a little bit about how I shifted these patterns. And I think it really started kind of late last year when I had this idea and started feeling like I was creating stress in these very peaceful scenarios for no reason. So there's one afternoon that I remember specifically where I was sitting at my desk with a cup of tea, looking outside at a bird in the tree right next to my window. And the sun was filtering through the leaves. The wind was blowing softly. I had a cozy blanket wrapped around my shoulders and a fire going in the next room. It was this magical combination of cold outside and warm inside. Just that perfect fall day where you feel like everything is all right in the world. And I was just starting to get going with writing a meditation or a podcast episode, I can't remember. And my brain started bringing up all these reasons why I shouldn't write, why it was going to be terrible, it wasn't going to land with anybody. And, you know, I was never going to be able to create what I wanted to create. It was this like pattern of just bad thoughts for no reason. 
And here I was, sitting in this beautiful moment, just a few seconds before. So grateful for life, so grateful for just my current experience. And my brain wanted to turn it into a reminder of how not good enough I was. And I was like, no, that's interesting. Where, where are you coming from? Why are you here at this moment? And so I started to look for this pattern, you know, in, in moments of real peace and happiness over the next few weeks, like out on a walk or having a really good meal. I would notice that when my mind would either start thinking about planning something, right? So that's a pattern that shows up in me a lot is if I'm at peace and being very present, I have to think about the 10 things I have to do next week or next year even. My brain starts to say, don't forget, don't forget this. What if you forget this? What's going to happen? Did you write that down? Did you make a list? You know, so I, I felt like I couldn't really rest or enjoy anything. Around that same time, I had been pushing myself to start a consistent exercise routine. A consistent anything, really. I think even, you know, my podcast episode that I released at that time was consistency is creativity. And I still actually really believe that. But I was very focused on this idea of consistency. And I think that was another way of subconsciously, I was kind of telling myself that if I'm not consistent, like, who am I? If I can't be consistent with something, what worth do I have? And that sounds absolutely ridiculous to say right now. But I don't know, it was just how I was feeling. I really felt like I couldn't stick to things. And I think a lot of that actually looking back was because I wasn't letting myself rest. Again, I was putting myself in this constant state of stress. Even in the restful moments, I was looking for what was wrong instead of what was right. And, you know, I would take a day off and feel like I was being lazy or I wasn't getting my to-do list done or, you know, I would try content planning or, you know, thinking of all these things to distract myself instead of actually just resting really resting. And I want to talk about the difference really between rest and procrastination here, because I do think there is this subtle difference. What I was doing at the time on what I thought were rest days was really more procrastination. So I would say I had a meditation to work on or something. I would say, okay, I'm not going to make anything today, but then I would be watching something or out on a walk and I would constantly be thinking about what I wasn't doing. Like I was so angry at myself for not working on the thing in the moment. And I feel like that is unhealthy procrastination. Now rest on the other hand, or, you know, you could call it healthy procrastination is letting go, being present, feeling the feelings in your body, letting your brain just turn off, letting your conscious mind go and really settling into the present moment. And I had none of that at that time. And when I think back, actually, ironically, I was like trying to create these meditations and I had kind of lost my daily meditation practice, which 
again, I'm like, I feel like a fraud. I'm making meditations and I'm not meditating. What is going on here? What, what are you doing? So I started to just kind of see these threads appear, you know, different areas in my life where I was pushing myself so hard without letting myself rest. And probably the two things that helped me most in overcoming this kind of stress addiction are number one, starting to move my body in a way that felt joyful. And number two, a book that I'm going to tell you about in just a minute. But number one, so moving my body, I started taking really long walks. And I think I had always had a love-hate relationship with exercise. I know it makes me feel good. I know it helps my body. I know all these things. I know how good exercise is for me. And yet, I hated it. I never had the motivation to get going or get started. And so I started taking these long walks with my husband. He had been doing it for a few weeks, and he asked me one day to just come with him. And it was the first time in a long time when I just let myself not think about anything. You know, we would talk a little bit on the walk, and I literally stopped to smell the roses. You know, we looked for animals like bees and butterflies and random things in the neighborhood. And it just felt like I really let myself rest because it didn't feel like exercise. It didn't feel like something that I had to do or I was pressuring myself to do. It just felt like exploring. And when we got home that day, I really, I realized how happy I felt because I hadn't been stressing about getting anywhere. And I think that was the key too, is that it was a walk with no destination. It was very exploratory and organic and without a map. So it didn't feel like it was time boxed or, you know, for any reason other than just to enjoy the moment. So I started walking more and realized that I felt better and better. And I know that's such a simple thing, but walking has truly changed my life. And if you can find something where you can move your body in a way that doesn't feel like work, I would highly recommend getting some kind of movement practice in your life that feels joyful like that. And walking is an easy one to start with, even if you just do, you know, 10, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever feels like low pressure for you. And it's important that it's outside, I would say, too, because I think there's something about being in nature and especially being near trees and grass and greenery that just feels so revitalizing. And so the other thing I did at that time was read this book called The Open Focus Brain by Les Femi and Jim Robbins. It's probably like top three books I have ever read in terms of really being able to shift my mind and body into a different state. And the main kind of takeaway is that we live our lives in this very narrow, focused mode. You know, and that can actually be literally narrow focus, staring at phones or screens or down at the ground or more kind of metaphorically, like a narrow focus of finishing a project or working towards a goal versus more of an open focus, present, looking out to the horizon feeling that lets you 
rest in the present moment. So in this book, the author says, if we live our lives resisting painful memories and feelings, we come to fear our present experience. And if we organize our lives to avoid discomfort, we separate ourselves from our life at this moment. Or we simply focus narrowly away from the unwanted inner feelings, distancing ourselves from emotional awareness and any unpleasant manifestations in our bodies. We lose a sense of flow in our lives. We become cut off from the moment, numbed out, and separated from the intimacy of the full here and now experience. This kind of reality managed around tension is flat and dull compared to the vivid experience of life in open focus. So if that doesn't want to make you read the book, I don't know what will, but I highly, I cannot recommend it enough. It, oh, it changed my life. I get emotional thinking about it because every page I feel like I was finding validation of my current experience and then a practical helpful way to get out of it. So definitely read that book. So to sum it up, really the things that made a huge difference for me in shifting these patterns of stress and stress addiction were number one, moving my body in a way that I love doing. Number two, really partnering that with eating nourishing food and paying attention to, you know, what I was putting into my body, starting to drink lots more water and just staying hydrated. And then also, you know, just being gentle with myself. I think I didn't approach this process as a healing process. You know, there was no outcome I was shooting for. There wasn't going to be current me and future me where I am healed from my stress addiction. It was, I am exploring what this pattern looks like in my body and mind, and I'm going to be gentle with it, and I'm going to love myself through it. And... That was very different than how I'd kind of approached other transformations in my life. So I do think that was a key part of it, really. You know, remember, being human is a process of evolving. We'll never become. We are always becoming. We are always unfolding. We are always learning and growing and transforming. There's no healed version of you. There's no fixed version of you. You are fixing, you are healing, you are being. Okay, so that brings me perfectly to part three, the big picture. Who you are beyond this pattern of stress. So we've talked about how this pattern appears and how to shift it, but I have saved the most important thing for last. You are not this pattern of stress, of stress addiction or anything, any other pattern that you're experiencing. You are not any pattern that appears in your body or mind because you are not your body and you are not your mind. You are the universal consciousness that is the human body you happen to exist in at this moment. You are the sun, the moon, and the stars. You are the chair you're sitting in. You're the shoes you're wearing. You're the ground beneath your feet supporting you. You are every person you have ever met. 
You are the birds outside your window and the tree it's sitting in. You are the entirety of the universe experiencing itself through your physical body. And so these patterns that exist within you are also an experience. They are not something to push away or fight against. You can work to shift them gently because you choose to experience something different. But if you choose to shift them, I want you to do it with love. Don't do it because you hate what you've become. Do it because you love who you are right now. Because you love everything that brought you here to this moment, your stress included. I truly believe that the so-called negative patterns in your life exist just so that you can transform them. It is such a privilege and a, just a beautiful sight to witness transformation. And it's also such an exhilarating feeling to transform and be transformed. What would we be without the experience of transformation? Think about how, you know, our society and humanity responds to storytelling. We love stories of transformation because it gives us hope. So love the patterns that exist in your body and mind that are waiting to be transformed. Love them into transformation. It's such a joyful experience. It doesn't have to be a rejection of self. This is evolution at its finest. It's proof that you are a creator. You're a magician. You're an alchemist of your own body. These patterns that find our way into our bodies come from years of conditioning, from our ancestors, our surroundings, our experiences. So the first step to shifting anything is always awareness. When you can feel a pattern starting to show up, whether it's stress or something else, I want you to investigate it. You can personify it, even give it a name, talk to it. Say, where did you come from? How can I help you? Where are you going? What do you need? What comes next? How can I let you go? You don't need to heal from this pattern. You are already healed as the universal consciousness you are. You are not broken. You are not something that needs to be fixed. You can gently shift this pattern and choose to experience something different, but it's not something you need to get rid of or reject. Let's experiment with this for a moment. So I want you to find a place to sit or stop walking if you're on the move. Please don't do this while driving. Close your eyes. Take a deep breath in and out. Feel the air around you and allow it to come in through the back of your head. Now feel the space between your eyes and move this attention down to your heart. Feel it beat in rhythm with your breath and allow that energy to move down to your feet now. 
into the ground. Into the earth beneath you. Feel supported by the earth's energy. This universal energy that you are. Feel yourself rooted, connected, protected, and safe. Feel the center of the earth and how it holds you. You're always held by its energy, no matter where you are. You are always safe. There is nothing to worry about. Everything is okay right here. Take a deep breath now and open your eyes. How do you feel? When you find yourself overthinking or stressing about the future or past, I want you to remember that you can just tap in to this grounded earth energy at any time. The thoughts or feelings you're experiencing just exist on the surface. They're not who you are. They don't define you. They just want to be loved, to be held just like you do. All right, well, that is it for today, but again, I just want to thank you all so much for responding in the way that you did to the experiences that I shared last week. I have never felt so held and connected and just supported by all of you and I'm grateful so grateful so if you have any thoughts or ideas or more questions about stress addiction or any kind of other pattern let me know and always remember everything you need exists within you <laughs>